0: That you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littner, one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. My friends, on the sixth day of creation, God created man. Turning to Genesis chapter 2 and looking at verses 16 and 17, we see an aspect of man as God created us implied there. Those verses say, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that you eat thereof thou shalt surely die. The aspect of man that I want us to see from this command that God gave Adam and the warning of the consequences of failure to obey is that man was created as a free moral agent, created with a free will, with the God-given right to choose. Let's simply move over to Genesis chapter 3 and look at verses 1 through 6 to see man exercising his right to choose. We find now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall surely not die. For God knows that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. There is no question that it was God's desire that Adam and Eve not eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge. There is no question that God made this desire known to the first man and woman. Yet it is equally obvious that God left the final decision up to Adam and Eve. He made his will known, but did not force compliance with it. That, my friends, is man's freedom of choice. It is his free will, the right to choose. Having created man with the free will, with the right to choose, God also established, with the first man and woman, consequences for the choices made. Staying in Genesis 3, let's move on down to verses 16 through 19, where we are told, Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception." and sorrow thou shalt bring forth children and thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee and unto adam he said because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and hast eaten of the tree of which i commanded thee saying thou shalt not eat of it cursed is the ground for thy sake in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee and thou shalt eat the herb of the field in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. So, the freedom of choice with which God has blessed us in his creation is a glorious and wonderful thing. In the United States, we have the freedom to choose what our occupation will be. We can choose where we will live and with whom we will live. We can choose where or even if we will go to college. Every day we have the freedom to make a multitude of choices. Some are major, some are minor. But we are so used to being free moral agents that the right to choose is often taken for granted. Little things like what toothpaste I'm going to use or even if I'm going to brush my teeth, what I'm going to have for breakfast or maybe what I won't have for breakfast. These are just a few examples of the hundreds, probably thousands of choices that we make each day. However, that freedom of choice is an awesome responsibility when you think about it. And it is an awesome responsibility because of one simple truth. Choices carry consequences with them. Even so many of the little choices, if we make the wrong choice, carry less than desirable consequences. For instance, if you don't brush your teeth, they go bad. If you don't eat properly, you will eventually get sick and on and on and on it goes. The Bible was filled with example after example of people bearing consequences of choices that they made both good and bad. Perhaps you remember the case of Abraham and Lot in Genesis 13. Because of the combined possession of these two men, they were just too much for the land to bear, their herdsmen began to quarrel among each other. Abraham, Abram at the time, offered Lot a choice of where he wanted to live. Verses 8 and 9 of Genesis 13 show us the choice presented to Lot. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen. For we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thee, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou wilt depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left there was the choice where was lot going to live where was he going to raise his family what would be a better overall choice to make for lot and his family verse 10 indicates that lot made his choice on the basis of one primary consideration what would be best financially in verse 10 we find and lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of jordan that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Verse 13 tells us something else about the area Lot chose, something that was obviously well known at the time. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. So yes, Lot exercised his freedom of choice. He made his decision based upon an important, but not the most important consideration, and he paid dearly in the consequences of his choice. How important are the decisions that we make in our lives? Who our friends may, may be? What kind of person do I want to date? What of person am I going to be? What use am I going to make of the talents and the abilities that God has blessed me with? Who am I going to marry? Or for that matter, will I marry? Where am I going to live? What kind of influence will, my area or my, will the area have on my wife and children? These are important questions, choices that have to be made, and there are more choices. What schools will I send my children to, or will I even send them to a school? What kind of profession do I want to be involved in? Every one of these choices carries tremendous consequences, some of which can never be changed. Yes, a free will is a wonderful thing, but an awesome responsibility as well. Let's think about sin for a minute. I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but the most important part, every sin we commit, we commit because we have made the choice to do so. What better example of this than Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5? Verses 1-4 through four tell us, But a certain man named Ananias was Sapphira his wife, sold a possession, and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, Why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Ananias and Sapphira had many choices. They did not have to sell the land. They did not have to give any part of the selling price. It was entirely up to them. But they made their choices, and we all know what the consequences were. James tells us in James chapter 1, verses 13-15 through 15, that when we sin, we have no one to blame except ourselves. Going all the way back to Adam and Eve, when confronted with her sin, Eve blamed the serpent. When confronted with his sin, Adam blamed Eve. Even in a sense, blaming God, he said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. But the truth of the matter is, when we sin, we made the choice to do so. The passage I mentioned in James says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then, when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. When sin enters into our lives, it is because we have been drawn away of our own desires and made the choice to appease those desires in a way that God said was wrong. In Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul, in my opinion, discussed the conflict that rages within the sinner wanting to lead a better life, a righteous life according to God's law, but then choosing not to do it. I believe that a primary point of the section of Romans 7 found in verses 14-25 through is that as long as the desire to sin is stronger in an individual than the desire to do what he knows to be right, he's going to continue to sin. When he decides to choose what is right and proper and obey the Lord, he or she will do so. Think about it, my friends. Jesus taught us that sin is conceived within our hearts, born within us. And as we choose to think about sinning, to consider doing something that we want to do, yet knowing that it is wrong, continuing to think about those kinds of things will ultimately cause us to choose to do them. But understand, even thinking about evil things involves our already having made a choice. We may not be able to keep an occasional wicked thought from entering into our minds, but we do not have to choose to let them stay there. Paul told us in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8 that we do have a choice as to what we think about. The passage says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. There's yet one more point I want to bring up. Did you ever stop to really think that if you're not a Christian, you also have been making a choice? Many times people feel that the only choice involved is when they decide to become a Christian, but that is not so, because every time you decide not to become a Christian, you have made your choice. Remember the choice that Joshua called upon the children of Israel to make after they had completed the conquest of Canaan? It's found in Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. It's a beautiful passage, and it says, Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your father served that are on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Or how about the stirring words of First Kings chapter 18? Looking at verses 17 through 21, we find, And it came to pass, when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal four hundred and fifty, and the prophets of the groves four hundred, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. That's a pretty good question to personally consider. If you're not a Christian, will you choose today to serve the Lord? If you are not a Christian, yet believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ, or if you are a Christian but know that you haven't been living as you should in any area of your life, then how long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. I must say I wish I could force every person to make the right decision, but even God doesn't do that. He leaves the choice up to us. Things to think about. Thanks for listening.